Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome your Grand Marshals, Johnny Morris, Bill Dance, Buddy Lovell, and Rob Keck, as they give those most famous words in motorsports. On behalf of everybody at Bass Pro Shops and Tracker Boats, we dedicate this race to the 60 million anglers across America. And dedicated over 30 million hunters, America's first conservationists, the conservation heroes who have answered the call. Another episode of the SP Podcast, ready to go. Tyler had Dalton Molinex with you, as always, coming off of an exciting weekend of racing at Atlanta Super Speedway, which is what I call it now. Now, I understand SMI obviously brands the tracks as motor speedways, and you probably don't want to brand your track with the initials of ASS. The marketing yeah. doesn't really speak too well for that, but I'm going to keep calling it Atlanta Super Speedway because that's essentially what it is now. A lot of concern going into this past weekend about the difference between racing in the spring and racing in the summer, how would the hot temperatures affect the super speedway style racing that we saw earlier this year? And we'll get the Xfinity series a little bit later. The cup series looked pretty similar. I thought overall it was still a great race. Like in the spring wasn't as chaotic and, you know, carnage filled as the spring race was, but uh, not too really, not too different in terms of the actual on track product um, from March to July. Yeah. Well, it, 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 it was, you know, we, discussed it when we were previewing the race last week how we thought I mean it was going to be hot it was going to be humid thankfully it didn't rain there were showers and storms all around the track but I'm just glad that it didn't derail anything but definitely the heat and you really thought would make things much slicker I know that um, the drivers were complaining about handling mm-hmm. uh, handling matters you couldn't just have a fast car and and I think that made for much like the spring race I thought it was just a really solid race yeah and that's something that I can appreciate about, you know, this Atlanta super speedway type of track because it reminded me a lot of what Daytona was like before they repaved it in 2011, where, yes, it's super speedway and the cars are close together and you're still running in packs, but handling really mattered. And that's why, you know, you look at through the 2000s and the late 90s, like it was, you know, it, it wasn't as random of winners at the super speedways. It seemed like it was the usual suspects up front, DEI cars, injured motorsports, like the teams that could really get their handling down and you're kind of seeing a similar result here in the two races uh, since Atlanta's, you know, reconfiguration. And, um, you know, the handling became evident right away when I think it was on the first lap, Kyle Larson nearly lost it coming off turn four. Like he was dead sideways. Austin Sendrick setup was really bad at the beginning of the race. They had to adjust on that. So, um, you know, I, I can appreciate Atlanta, Atlanta Super Speedway being different than the other two Super Speedways where handling does come into play, where it's not just three and four wide the entire time, where you do have to, you know, bring something good to the racetrack and not just rely on that draft to get you to, get you to the front. Yeah. Well, I think, too, I mean, I, you alluded to it there, but, like, I, I think that at the end of the day, I mean, with the exception of a few guys that were up there mixing it up with the big guns, it was your typical – you know, week in and week out, heavy hitters. And, and, you know, that's one of the things I think separates it from Daytona and Talladega, um, just in the, you know, very small sample size that we've seen so far, is that it really, I mean, you you still have to have the horsepower under the hood, 
You have to have the good setup. I mean, it's not just so much you got to be lucky and find your way there at the end and, and anybody can win. Right. Well, uh, we know who brings speed to the super speedways, and that's Hendrick Motorsports. They now two for two at the new Atlanta Motor Speedway with Chase Elliott taking the win. His first win, of course, at his home track at Atlanta Motor Speedway. And for Chase, this was really kind of a story of a, a dominant day. He was pretty much up front the entire day, won both the stages, ends up winning the race. And, you know, through this entire season, especially through the beginning of summer, we've been wondering, okay, who's going to position themselves as that guy to really take the next step and declare themselves the championship favorite as we creep closer and closer to the playoffs. And, you know, between winning Nashville, nearly winning last week at Road America, and now winning at Atlanta, it's like, okay, this not, yeah, there's the nine team, then there's everybody else for the summer stretch right now. I feel like, I feel like you're starting to see some confidence in Chase. Mm. And it's, it's something that, I, I mean, to this point in his career, I, I can't think of a time that, We've really seen it in the Cup Series, but like, you know, he he just it feels very. I'm better than everybody here. I know it, and all of y'all know it too. Yeah. Um, talking, I was talking about it with my dad. We were watching the race Sunday, and that's what I was telling him. Like in his post race interview, you know, like he said, you know, I gave one away last week. Mm-hmm. You know, it wasn't man. Tyler ran a great race, and he passed me. He said I gave away that race. Yeah. You know, you had the best car. And it's, you know, like you said, you're coming off of, of winning at Nashville. I mean, you could be looking at three in a row right now. And I think that there's just that that confidence beginning to build up with him. And, look, you get a confident driver, you get a confident team, you can go – you can take that, that a long ways. Well, and Atlanta also starts the string where we're starting to go back to tracks for a second time as we get closer to the playoffs and obviously into the playoffs. And, you know, the fact that they're hitting their stride and they're going to have a notebook going back to some of these places. Um, and, and it's also similarly, like New Hampshire this weekend is very similar to Phoenix, very similar to Martinsville, very similar to Richmond tracks they've already been to. So to have that notebook a little bit, you're already ahead of the curve. Like, again, this could just be a, a big run for the nine teams will creep uh, closer and closer to the playoffs starting. Yeah, definitely. And, and that's the thing is, I mean, you look now, he's he's continuing to lead the points. He's got the most wins this season. You know, he's he's checking off all these boxes. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe he's up to 20 playoff points now. Uh, let me check. But, I mean, like, look, you're at, you're at 20 playoff points. Yes. You know, it, you know, he's at this point, I mean, very possible that he goes on to win the regular season championship. It's 35 bonus points going in the playoffs. And that's assuming he doesn't win any more stages or perhaps wins another race. Yeah, he's got 20 playoff points in the bank right now. Next highest is uh, Ross Chastain with 13, who's currently sitting third in the standing. So he'd be in line to get himself nine playoff points if he's able to hold that position. But, yeah, in this season where everything has been so similar, um, you know, if he goes into the playoffs with four, maybe five wins, maybe the next highest guy has only three, those 15 extra playoff points are going to be huge, a big significance, especially we're talking about being over the cut line, um, you know, as we continue to creep closer and closer to possibly having 16 winners fill out the playoff field. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we're, we're three away from it. Speaking of that, uh, the, the finish of Sunday's race is what everybody seems to be talking about coming away from it. Chase Elliott obviously had the best car of the day, but the story of the day was definitely Corey LaJoy. And again, like you said a minute ago, this race was kind of about the usual suspects up front. 
Hendrick Gibbs, you know, Chastain was up there for track house. But then there's Corey LaJoy, who came away with a great finish in the spring. I believe he finished fifth. Um, and I believe it was his best career finish up to this point. Um, but, man, that entire final stage, you know, they played some strategy, took no tires at one point, got themselves up there. Um, and then he was able to hang up there with the leaders. And on the final restart with three to go, Corey LaJoy is the control car. He's never been in this situation before. Um, he's coming down the front straightaways. They take the white flag. He gets a shove. I believe it's from the, the one of the 19. And one. he's got to take the momentum. He goes to the outside. Chase Elliott throws the block. Corey LaJoy goes in the wall and ends up wrecking, you know, a typical super speedway type of finish. And I've never seen so many people angry that the leader blocked on the last lap of a super speedway race than I saw on Sunday. Maybe it's the, you know, because there's a lot of people that don't like the fact that Chase Elliott's the most popular driver. You know, they feel like it's kind of shoved down their throat. And I do think that's a pretty significant factor in why so many people are upset. But I'm like, it's a super speedway race. It's the last lap. What, like, he didn't run him into the wall. He threw right. a block. Like, what, what do you expect the leader to do here? Well, and, and even Corey LaJoy, after the fact, I mean, he's obviously bummed that, that he didn't win the race. And, you know, first career win, it, it would have it, – and it's funny, it wouldn't have put him in the playoffs because he wasn't top 30 in points just yet. Yes. Which I – NBC continues to just be phenomenal with coverage because they pointed that out. I had no idea that he wasn't top 30 in points. Yep. Just enough that they added. But, you know, it's just crazy because – like you said, everybody was frustrated because he blocked him. But like, even when LaJoy got out of the car and was like, I mean, he had to do what he had to do. Yeah. I don't know if you saw, um, he did like a video breakdown, that final restart. Yep. I watched that uh, just before we actually started doing this. And that was just, that was so impressive because they, he talked about, you know, coming to the white flag. He had that huge run and it got him loose because the plan was to go to the bottom. Yes. I bomb chase, get to the bottom, just slam it in there and see if it sticks. Yes. And got loose, wasn't able to get to the bottom. So then he had to kind of, you know, go to plan two, go to the top and just oh so close. And I hate that he I hate that he wrecked. It would have been nice had he have been able to just, you know, finish second. Um, but I, you know, I, he's one of those guys you can just root for. I mean, or I can anyways. And, um, you know, I know we'll get to some silly season talk here in a little bit, but he's one of those guys that I hope one of these days somebody gives him the opportunity because I think he'd make the most of it. No, absolutely. And obviously you and I are Chase Elliott fans and Hendrick Motorsports fans as a whole, but I'm not going to lie in those last couple laps. I was really actually kind of hoping Corey was going to pull out. I, I was too. I was too because I was like not bummed. I was more bummed that I wasn't at the race to see right. Chase for the first time um but I was telling my dad I was just like you know it, it just it would have been really cool had Corey have won but obviously didn't happen now I don't think it would have been a very popular win for the crowd in attendance had he beaten Chase no. on the last lap or something like that but um yeah you know Corey LaJoy is somebody and I've had the opportunity to, to meet him a couple times and interview him some too really cool guy good personality great for the sport I mean, I listen to a Stack and Pennies podcast every single week. So, you know, it's kind of one of those drivers, like, you feel like you almost have this personal relationship with because you, yeah. you hear from him so much. But, um, yeah, and, and, you know, he showed, a, a, you know, a great race on Sunday. Obviously finished in the top five back in the spring. He nearly won the Daytona July race. Um, it was last year or the year before. So he really shows up to these super speedways knowing this is his chance to win and, you know, puts it all on the table and has come close a couple times. Maybe he'll break through. Um, 
you know, but I would like to see him maybe get an opportunity with a, you know, a bigger team or, or somebody that has the funding to, to consistently run the top 10, the top 15. Cause um, you know, Corey LaJoy, cause people forget this. He came in in the same NASCAR next class as Larson, as Elliot, you know, as these guys Suarez um, that are doing great things right now. He just hasn't had the same opportunities. He was with like Richard Petty Motorsports and that deal kind of fell through. And um, you know, he's just never had the, the backing that these other guys have had to prove what he can do in the top three series. He was winning at ARCA, and he was winning in the KNME series, um, you know, back in the day. He just hasn't had that golden opportunity in one of the top three series. So, um, you know, hopefully he can get that one day. Well, I saw, I mean, I, I think he's just, I think he's a smart driver. He doesn't tear up his stuff. He doesn't put himself in a bad spot. Um, I saw enough Martinsville, the fall race a few years ago, when when he was out, he ended up finishing the top 20. He ran top 10 for a good chunk of the day. You know, I, I saw enough that day to, to realize the talent's there. And, and that's the thing. Is it's just, unfortunately, where NASCAR is now, it's all about who brings the money. Yep. Doesn't, you know, he doesn't necessarily bring the money to the table. Right. Uh, and that's unfortunate, but it's just that's where the business is right now. Was it – I think it was one of the Darlington races last year where he was literally like running in the top 12 the entire race. And you yeah. talk about a driver's racetrack, that's a driver's racetrack. And, you know, that was one of the races that really opened my eyes to him. Like, yeah, this guy, you give him a good car, you know, he can definitely do something with it. Um, you know, when, uh, when Jimmy was retiring, they were trying to figure out who's going to be in the 48 car, which obviously turned in the five car. Uh, I don't know if you heard the story, but he gave Mr. Hendrick a handwritten letter like, Hey, I know I'm not your top choice, but, you know, shot in the dark here, would you consider me? And, and I think uh, that resonated well with Rick Hendrick. And, you know, Spire Motorsports obviously has a relationship with Hendrick and the entire, you know, Chevy department. But, uh, you know, maybe Corey LaJoy will finally get that opportunity one day. Maybe. I mean, because, I mean, Alex Bowman was down and out, never going to be anything, and, and now drives the 48. So, I mean, it's just one of those you, you, you know, you just keep on trying and, and hopefully that break comes for you. Well, and, you know, in Corey LaJoy's favor, he's going to have another opportunity at Daytona in a couple of weeks, the end of August, to try it again. Now, as you mentioned, he does need to be in the top 30 in points to qualify for the playoffs, but he's got a couple of weeks to, I think Brad Keselowski's the one in front of him. So if he can outrun Brad Keselowski over these next couple of weeks and give himself in position, Daytona could maybe be that time for him to prove himself. Which just, that sentence is wild to say, but that's for a whole other podcast. Absolutely. Somebody that uh, did not impress too many people on Sunday and didn't make any more friends in the process, Ross Chastain. And it's been a story seemingly every single week this year, is running into somebody, getting into some kind of controversy, and it, there was no shortage of it on Sunday as he again runs into Denny Hamlin. He got into Martin Trex Jr. He, you know, was – I didn't see exactly what happened with the 10 car, but he and Eric Amarola were not happy with each other. Austin Dillon was not happy with him. Ross Chastain has not made any friends this entire season, and he continues to build up this catalog of people that are going to be pissed off at him when the time, by the time the playoffs roll around. Well, that's the thing I think now with him. It's a shorter list of people that aren't mad at him. Mm -hmm. You know, and that's a, that's a, that's a frustrating thing because Denny hasn't really paid back yet. Yes. And, you know, whether he waits for the playoffs, I mean, we know they have speed and, you know, I, I don't think it's crazy to call him a championship contender. You know, does he wait till they get to the round of eight, dump him at the Roval? Mm -hmm. uh, I mean, who knows? 
Um, so I think it's just interesting that definitely that's kind of, um, you know, you're making enemies and it's that, like you said, that list continues to build up. Yeah. The thing that gets me is, you know, Ross Chastain, when, when he has, when he, when these things do happen and he doesn't apologize for being aggressive, but he consistently says, okay, well, you know, if I'm in this situation again, I'll, I'll do this better. I'll do that better. But, but he keeps getting himself in these situations and he's not changing anything. You know, the, the deal with Denny Hamlin, yes, it's super speedway racing. So it wasn't as intentional as what happened to, at Gateway. But even to a point, it's like, okay, you got to understand, you can back off a little bit. You're not, you're going to get another opportunity to get around them. You know, you're, you're underneath them in three and four. You don't have to drive through them. And that's kind of one of those, another one of those times that, you know, Chastain, I feel like doesn't have the, the situational awareness quite yet for these moments. Um, and again, it got him in hot water one, uh, you know, Denny Hamlin one more time. Well, and that's the thing is like, you continue to piss off these drivers for stuff you can control. Yes. You know, I, I'm all, I, I get it. If you, you know, you get loose and whatever, you know, it happens, but the fact it keeps happening to the same drivers every week, at some point in time, you know, you've got to stop being so aggressive and just be a smarter race car driver. Yeah. And, you know, it's interesting too, when you look at, you know, a dust up with Eric Almarola, aggravating Austin Dillon, like these are two guys that, barring them winning in the next couple of weeks, probably aren't going to be in the playoffs. And I'm not no. saying they're going to be somebody that are going to, you know, turn you at Martinsville or something like that, but they can make your life very, very hard if you're racing around them in these critical playoff races, in these cutoff races, you know, maybe they hold you up on restart. Maybe they run you high in turns three and four. And, you know, while that may not take you out of the race, it may cost you a couple spots. And we know how valuable every single point is once you get into the playoffs. These are things that you just got to consider if you're Ross Chastain, you're building up this tally. It's going to come back to bite you at some point. Yeah. Yeah, it will. Um, before we move on from Atlanta Motor Speedway, I got to ask you this. Obviously, we're big Chase Elliott fans, Hendrick Motorsports fans, all that. We're from Georgia, so we do understand the hometown appeal of Chase Elliott. I didn't enjoy Russ, a rut. Uh, Rutledge Wood being at the Dawsonville pool hall in his where's rut or rut towards the city or whatever they call the segment now that was a little too on the nose to me and I can understand non-Chase Elliott fans being as upset that they were because it really did feel like they were shoving it down your throat on Sunday well and that's the thing is it worked out really well that they were there because he won Yes. You know, but if he wrecked, you know, if he wrecks out in stage one, what, hey, let's go back up to rut. There's, uh, there's, yeah, there's nobody here at the pool room. Dang it. Okay. And, back I, to and it's almost too perfect when you think about it. Like he was already there. They're doing updates throughout the entire race. Chase Elliott wins both stages and wins the race. It's almost like, and look, we know you can't script these moments in racing, obviously, but if you're the casual fan viewing this, it's like, oh, you, did they just, playing that and, and that's something you never want for you know to for, you want your sport to be viewed as legitimate obviously right you never want a casual fan to look at that and say oh they they came up with that they scripted that or something like that and that's what I kind of came away feeling with on the feeling I came away with on Sunday was like that was almost a perfect storm that is going to raise somebody's eyebrows I think the segment's stupid every week anyways yes uh, 
because and my thing is putting him two two and a half hours away from the racetrack because that's the thing is for folks that don't know hampton is a good half hour to 45 minutes south of atlanta yes you know so it's like even if you put him in in atlanta right like what are you doing it's an hour it, it, you know it's even like with with nashville a couple of weeks ago you know they had right down on broadway like I get it, but my thing's I don't tune in to see what somebody's doing at Tootsie's. I don't care. Right. You know, put him, put him in the, put him in the, they, they always want to show random kids in the stands. Sure. Have him in a kid every 10 laps. I mean, I, I'd rather do something to enhance the track experience rather than, you know, what are, you know, who's drunk at Tootsie's on a Sunday afternoon. I don't care. Yeah. I will say I'm glad he's no longer doing the winner's interview after the race on the front straightaway, that infuriated me a lot because he had nothing to add to that. He just always, Dirk, you know, what do you got to say to these fans? Isn't this so cool? And I'm like, ask him about the move that he made for the lead, for God's yeah. sake. Like, he would never do anything like that. So I will say these segments are a little more in his wheelhouse, but I don't need you to cut away to him eight times during the race. Again, to show – and the funny thing to me was the people at the Dallasville Pool Hall – did not seem interested in all in him being there. They're like, we're just trying to watch the race, man. Like, leave us alone. Yeah, he. It was just, a buddy of mine actually texted me a picture. He was like, nobody here wants him here right now. There was at one point a guy like the, they had the camera on him, and he's just like got his face completely covered, looking the other way. Like maybe yeah. he from the police or something. I don't know. But I was like, that's kind of the epitome of what this segment is. These people don't want to be on TV. Uh, no. Well, it, it just it was just it, it just poorly planned all around. Yeah. And again, like I don't Rudd is good from the entertainment perspective of things, but there's a time and a place for it. If you want to keep him on the pre-race show, fine. If you want to put him on the post-race show to host it, fine. If you want him to host the NASCAR Awards banker in the end of the season, fine. But when between the green flag and the checkered flag, I don't need Rut, Rutledge Wood content. No. no, I agree. That's that's my only gripe with NBC. Other than that, they've been doing a fantastic job. In fact, I'm watching the um, last stage, you know, here on, the, on my TV in the background. And once again, they've shown the um, graphic of the single lug wheel, which they're showing every single week. I honestly think they're doing it to flex on Fox Sports at this point because we've gone the entire season not even knowing there was this giant – red locking mechanism on the wheel NBC is making sure we know that Steve Letard deserves an Emmy for describing that every time and I I don't get tired of it no because it is useful information to me as a diehard fan which you know I I remember the first time you showed it to me but I'd like seeing it each and every week because it's again presenting the sport in a very serious way where people have a full understanding of what's going on and there's the wreck where Ross sent Denny Hamlin around. Yeah. Um, overall, final takeaways from the, the, the Cup Series race at Atlanta. Action, action packed, obviously. Um, they're not as chaotic as the May, not as chaotic as the March race. Um, but I think we've got another good super speedway on the schedule. Yeah. Yeah. I think that, and that's the thing is the nail on the head earlier. I hope these other mile and a half. Don't try to do this. Don't try to replicate it. Because if, if you if you do it, it just waters it down, and it's no longer special. You don't look forward to it. Something I saw tossed around after Sunday's race 
you know, with, you know, we still don't know what the schedule is going to look like in 2022. What if you made Atlanta the regular season finale? Now that you've got this other super speedway that you can use and you don't have to just do it at Daytona, maybe you can bring Daytona back to July 4th and end the regular season at Atlanta. I'd be down for that. That was my proposal last week and I stick by it. I I think that just when I think of 4th of July, NASCAR, I think of Daytona, Mm -hmm. you know, and I hope that, you know, it sounds like Road America could be getting the axe. Bring it back. Well, uh, for next year, at least, I think we're going to have to deal with the Chicago Street Course on the 4th of July. Mm-hmm. Which, and, you know, we talk about it every single week. They haven't even made the official announcement. That's coming next week. So we'll get to that on next week's episode. Did you see what that lawmaker or some kind of politician in Chicago said about NASCAR coming to the Chicago Street Circuit? Mm-mm. He basically said, in opposition to it, like, well, if we let these professional race car drivers race on our streets, then the delinquent people that drag race through our streets are going to take that as a meaning that it's okay for them to do it too. And I was just like, what? No. That's just- Say you don't like NASCAR and move on. I mean, again, I'm not necessarily in favor of racing the streets of Chicago either, but, like, you can come up with a better reason than that, right? Yeah, better excuse than that. I don't know. Again, we'll get into it more once they make an official announcement, but uh, whoever that that guy is, I'll steal a line from Door Bumper Clear. You win the What an Idiot Award of the Week. <laughs> yeah. For real. The Xfinity Series raced at Atlanta on Saturday. Austin Hill picked up a win, another Georgia boy getting a win at Atlanta Motor Speedway. That's cool to see. The Xfinity race uh, was not quite as good as it was in the spring. This race was very much a single-file parade for the most part. Um, I definitely think they were affected by the heat a lot more than the Cup Series cars were. And I think that really boils down to them not using their full super speedway package. That You know, they had the bogged down motor but they're still using low downforce. I imagine in 2023, we'll probably see them come with their full super speedway package like the Cup Series does. Yeah, as they should. I mean, I, I think at this point, you know what Atlanta is and, and treat it just like Daytona and Talladega. Yeah. And for Austin Hill, you know, with how prevalent super speedways now are on the schedule, you're obviously going to go to Daytona, you're going to have Talladega in the playoffs. Like, I'm not going to pencil him in as a Final Four favorite, but – this is a guy with how consistently he runs. I'm not going to be surprised if he's in that final eight, really vying for one of those final four spots. Well, he's consistent and he's in a good car. Yeah. So those, those two things, I think he's a solid driver too. Yeah. Um, you know, so I think those things uh, combine all three of those and you, you'll give yourself a shot at, at making the final eight and maybe even get into the championship round. Right. Another race from Saturday, it was the Xfinity series at mid Ohio Congratulations to Parker Kligerman, and I think this is a really, really great story. Um, you know, for those that don't uh, that don't remember, he was pr- easily the hottest prospect in stock car racing all the way back in 2008. He was winning every single ARCA race in sight. He got an opportunity with Team Penske. It fell through, and he's kind of been piecing his career together every year since. And he's gotten a couple truck series wins at Talladega, which that's great. But what he showed on Saturday at Mid Ohio really spoke to how talented of a driver Parker Kligerman is. And I don't know if he's ever going to get another full-time opportunity, um, but I'd really like to see him in a good, legit ride and in the Cup or Xfinity Series again, because I think he could surprise a lot of people. Yeah, I agree. 
um you know it was just and it was a popular win amongst like literally everyone in, in involved with nascar and you know i'm not for sympathy wins i get it but it's like it's just cool seeing a guy like him that just busts his tail to to try to get to the track when he can you know and and to be able to do that and, and to go out there and win and and i commend zane smith for not turning him either yeah and and, and zane talked about it after the fact he was like how am i you know i could have turned him sure but like i don't race like that i mean he pushed me to my win at daytona earlier this year and i, I thought that that was just for the truck series i thought it was a very mature moment yes. from two guys that you're not surprised that it come from right no it was a fantastic race this entire race was great overall and it kind of begs the question are, are if we're going to do stages at road courses are we better off not having live pit stops where these guys can just go all out and not have to worry about the strategy because i really think that significantly helped this race at mid ohio for the truck series yeah yeah i mean i i still think that there's a lot of things you could do differently with road courses that would that would make them better yeah. uh, but at the end of the day it's just you know it was a great, it was a really good race. I'm not usually a road course guy, but I watched about half of the, the second half of the race and yeah, solid. And Zane Smith continues to impress me more and more each and every week. He's obviously the championship favorite in the truck series right now. And you, know, you can think about it. You know, I, I know we like to think of guys like Noah Gregson as like the next top prospect for the cup series, but there's got to be serious conversation around Zane Smith too, especially considering what he did filling in for Chris Buescher a couple weeks ago at Gateway. He beat Brad Keselowski, his literal boss, in his Cup Series debut. Like, this guy is very talented, and he's going to be around in the Cup Series most likely for a long, long time to come. He's legit. I mean, he, he he's definitely legit. And I, I think that it's, you know, we'll go ahead and jump right into it if you want to. But, like, you know, there's a big opening at RCR next year or in two years from now. Um you know, with, with Tyler Reddick announcing that in 2024, he's going to jump over to 2311 and, and join their team. You know, I mean, if for a guy like Zane Smith, do you jump out to the Xfinity next year and, and then make that jump to cup in 2024? Do you go somewhere next year? I think a guy like him would be perfect to build an organization around. No, absolutely. Um, and if, if I'm for it, I'm not letting him go because no. who else do they really have in the pipeline right now? Riley Herbst? Haley Deegan, you know, they could bring sponsorship money, which is great, but you want results in the Cup Series, Zane Smith's going to be your guy to get those. Yeah, you need talent. And he, he is the most talented Ford prospect right now. Absolutely. All right, so you mentioned just a moment ago the talk of NASCAR coming away from Sunday has been Tyler Reddick. Before we get into the juicy stuff that happened yesterday, you had a pretty cool experience with Tyler Reddick. Uh, this past Friday at your job and a little bit of a promotion leading up to the race. So uh, talk a little bit about that. Yes, it was really cool. Uh, we worked with Atlanta Motor Speedway. I've worked at the Weather Channel as a weather producer there, and we worked with Atlanta Motor Speedway um, to get a driver up to the, um, the studio to talk about, you know, how does storms impact, how does weather impact racing? Um, so we had Tyler Reddick there, uh, which was cool because we booked him before we before he won it road america so the fact that he came to us after winning at road america was really cool uh, we have the track uh general manager there brandon hutchison as well um it was just a really good conversation uh that he had with some of our on-camera people talking about how uh storms impact racing and and all of that so it's definitely a really cool segment we had 
and watching this segment on Friday and, you know, like every single day in the South in the summertime, there's always a chance for late afternoon thunderstorms. And that was what was being predicted for Sunday. And just kind of in the way Brandon was answering questions, like, I felt like he didn't have high confidence this race was going to get in without a storm on Sunday. And like you said at the top of the show, it was almost miraculous that it did because the forecast looked very bleak yeah. almost right up until it started. Yeah. Yeah. And, it, it, you know, as the thing is, once we got rolling, you were kind of like, I don't want to jinx it here, but we're looking right. okay time being. Hey, that vortex theory, man, I'm telling you. Right, listen, get them rolling. Anything can happen. Uh, I'm also glad that you got to take a picture with Tyler Reddick because he is very, very small. And yes. It's so funny. Like when you watch, when you see people on TV, like they're always going to appear bigger in person. And then right. when you see them in real life, especially a lot of race car drivers are really small. And I don't think a lot of people realize that. Like Jeff Gordon's like five foot eight, five foot nine. He's a little guy. But when you see him on TV, they're kind of these larger than life things. And then you see Tyler Reddick, who's all of, five foot five on a good day you know when he's wearing tennis shoes yeah it was funny because i had um the two two on-camera meteorologists at the weather channel i i i'd I'd prepped them you know questions and all that stuff because um one of the guys he had watched some nascar um growing up kind of fell away from it and then the the female she had never yeah seen any laps i was trying to i was and like you, you like you said i was like Make sure we don't call them the NASCARs. Yeah. And that's not- the Cardinals. Um, but it was just cool, like, how ex- – it was really cool how excited they were after the fact because, like, she even said she watched a little bit of the race this past weekend. You know, so it's just – so little things. I will have to ask, was, was Reddick able to see the clips that were being shown while he was being interviewed? Yes. Okay, because they showed his wreck from the spring, like – that's so great times and i was like i wonder if he can see this right now yeah like i was like maybe not the best choice in video but hey i'd like to thank everybody at atlanta motor speedway that worked with us on this it took us you know a few weeks to get it all ironed out but it worked perfectly and and it it was definitely i I was really excited at all kind of like was that when worlds collide kind of things what it felt like how often do you get to go to your job and a nascar driver shows up very rarely. I've done it. I've been there for nearly a year, and it's happened twice because we interviewed Larson one day after he won the championship. But now, he didn't. He wasn't actually in the studio for that. He one. was. He was uh, virtual. That maybe so, maybe maybe next year's go around, you can get uh, him or Elliot in, in the studio. That'd be pretty cool. Yeah, that'd be pretty cool. So the conversation around Tyler Reddick continued uh, yesterday. We're recording this on Wednesday on Tuesday because you know two weeks ago he wins at Road America. You know, just after the contract, not a contract extension, Richard Childress Racing exercised the option to keep him around in 2023. You're still thinking, okay, he's going to be the A car next year. You know, he's most likely going to go somewhere else in 2024, but you don't expect to hear about that maybe until this offseason, maybe halfway through next year, we find out where he's going to go in 2024 and beyond. Uh, in the middle of a Zoom meeting on Tuesday, Denny Hamlin just drops on all the media oh, yeah, say hello to Tyler Reddick. He's our new driver in 2024. Yeah, out of left field. Yes. I mean, there had been, like you said, there had been no rumblings. Adam Stern hadn't tweeted anything about, you know, oh, TRD and 2311's got a huge announcement today. It was done, it was, like you said, the middle of a Zoom call. 
oh, hey, Tyler. Oh, yeah, by the way, he's going to be with us starting in 2024. And it was so funny. And I'm, I'm glad Bob Proctor tweeted the little clip of it. Like, he joins the meeting. And I don't know who's hosting it. Maybe it sounded like maybe Jenna Fryer or something like that. Like, hey, Tyler, thanks for joining. But I, I think you're in the wrong meeting. And then he's like, no, he's not. He's our driver in 2024. Like, yeah. what? Yeah, just crazy. I mean, and then you just look at, I mean, this hasn't, I mean, this hasn't really happened since I think you said probably what Casey Kane, mm. you know, it's like, it's just gotta be so awkward now because yeah. Richard Childress Racing's not going to want to share all the information with him, but he's a talented enough driver that he could win a championship this year. It's just, and next year and yeah. next year. That's the, I mean, I'll be interested to see if he races with them with RCR next year. Yeah, it's kind of a, a double-edged sword because we talked about it when he won last week at Road America. Like, he could realistically have three to four wins this season and be sitting maybe towards the top of the playoff standings himself. He's not, obviously, but he's in the playoffs. Austin Dillon's not. So, yeah, he obviously gives you your best opportunity to win a championship this year and probably next year, too. But my biggest takeaway was how RCR handled this after the fact. Um, I don't know who's on their PR team but their tweet about this couldn't have been worse timing while true, obviously, do you really, do you have to say that? Like that to me is a bad look for RCR. Yeah. Well, I guess like my view of it is, is like, when would be good timing for it? Never. I mean, he's leaving at the end of the day, he's leaving. He he's figured out that he does not want to be a part of this organization anymore. And that sucks because if you're RCR, you've got, in my opinion, probably one of the top five, most likely top three, just purely talented drivers. And you didn't lock him up to a long-term extension. Yeah. I'm going to play this option game with him. And he said, watch this. Yeah. And I think his comments were the most telling when he said, RCR shouldn't be surprised by this. Yeah. Which makes the tweet, the, the, the tweeted out statement look even worse. Yeah. And, you know, we don't get to see the, the number figures and the money as publicly as we used to in NASCAR. Oh, that's a lot more privatized. To me, Tyler Reddick, and, you know, the general consensus for guys that have come in as rookies in the past four to five years is they're probably earning around half a million dollar salary, right? Nothing to shake a stick at, obviously. Still very good money. But when you have a guy with a lot of talent, his potential is in the millions of dollars. Mm -hmm. And this tells me that RCR was not going to pay him what he knew he was worth. So he shopped himself around, 2311, TRD, whatever came together with this deal with 2311 Racing said, hey, we are going to pay you what you're worth. We're going to put you in good equipment. Come to us. And Tyler Reddick said, where do I sign? Yeah, I, I look at this from two different perspectives. I look at it from the RCR perspective, and I look at it from 2311. From RCR's perspective, you're letting go of your best driver, whether you want to admit it or not. And I, and I, that probably, I mean, look, I don't know what Austin Dillon makes, but I'm sure Richard's, he's, I would be very shocked if he ever drives for anybody other than Richard Childress. Yeah, I don't, I don't think that's going to happen. Um, you know, the, they obviously have a good relationship and, you know, the, the, the brings in sponsors and all that stuff. It, it works fine, but, Austin Dillon is not on the same talent level as no. Reddick. And so I think that's the one side of it. Look how Reddick elevated RCR. Mm -hmm. Okay. 
So you're going to lose that. But then look at Denny Hamlin out here saying, like his statement, I've raced against this guy. I've watched this guy. I wanted him. I went and got him. Yeah. That should, I'm not saying scare every other owner, because I, I'm sure that if like Mr. H or Joe Gibbs or, or, or Tony Stewart, you know, walks in and says, I want this guy. Yeah. To think, but the fact that Denny kind of circled Reddick and said, you know what, that's my guy. He went and got it. That's impressive. For, for a new team, that's It honestly reminds me a lot of Kyle Larson a couple of years ago. He comes in the Cup Series with Chip Ganassi Racing, runs extremely well. It does take him a couple seasons to get that first win, but a lot of people don't remember this. Jeff Gordon wanted him in the 24 car before Chase Elliott. Like, he advocated strongly for him. Larson was very loyal to Chip Ganassi, so he ended up staying in the 42 car for a couple more years, of course. Hitchin Motorsports obviously ended up getting him in the end after, you know, a few more seasons in the 42 car. But, like, you know, when you have guys like Jeff Gordon and Denny Hamlin that are on the racetrack that can see that talent with these guys they're racing against, that's how you build these dynasties because they know what they're looking for. And Denny Hamlin saying, I've raced against this guy. I'm racing against him right now. I want him on my team. That is going to set up 2311 for, I think, a lot of success. And the – thing that I really take away from this announcement from their perspective they did not specify if this is the third car if he's going to take over the 23 if he's going to take over the 45 so the next year and a half at 2311 racing is going to be very very interesting we know Tyler Reck's going to be there we don't know who else is going to be in 2024 yeah well and that's the thing is I, I think there's still right now there's more questions than answers yes you know even Denny said, you know, we don't have sponsorship lined up. Mm-hmm. You know, at the end of the day, I just know I want this guy driving for me. Yes. And I think then, and as someone who loves just who, – who gets annoyed, like I just get annoyed when these kids come in with money and go straight to the Cup Series. You know, a guy that just doesn't bring a ton of sponsorship, but he's wicked talented, him getting a good ride, I'm all for that. Yeah. Now, Reddick does bring some sponsorship. His grandfather owns Broken Bow Records, which is what's gotten him in a lot of rides, you know, in the Xfinity Series and the Chuck Series for a while. But, yes, once he got up the Cup Series, like, you know, we really see what his talent is, and he's going to be able to ride on that talent for a long time to come. But but that's kind of what this next-gen car was supposed to be in the Cup Series, where – you know, at some point, maybe you're not relying on as much on sponsorship on sponsorship dollars where you can just go out and hire the best talent that you want in your car, not having to worry what they bring to the table. Right, right. But on a 180, going back to Richard Children's Racing, for whoever's going to take over this eight seat, I think it's most likely going to be somebody that has to bring money to the table because I feel like Richard Childress just doesn't have all the funds and resources that a Hendrick Motorsports has or anything like that they're probably going to need somebody that's going to bring sponsorship, which to me puts Noah Gregson at the top of the list of the guy to take over the eight car, whether it be in 2023 or 2024. Yeah, definitely. I mean, definitely. I I think it just, it's a very interesting time for, for that organization for 2311 and just, we'll see, you know, who, who gets the eight or we'll see what happens to RCR, you know, do, do they drop down to a one car operation? I think that would be, um, I don't see that happening, but you never know. Given how sour things are going between Reddick and RCR right now, is he in this car in 2023, or does RCR try and push him out early? 
I don't, I, I don't think you. I mean, why would you? I mean, I guess my thing is, why would you want him in there? I mean, let me rephrase that. You want him in the car because he's talented, sure. okay? But you know, these competition meetings, you can't have him in those. You know, you're going to talk about what you're doing to the car to make it different. You're not in those, and and also at the same point in time. What if he's holding stuff back from you? You know, you, you take him to a you take him to a test somewhere and oh yeah, this setup's amazing and it really sucks. You know, and I don't think he would sabotage him, but if that relationship sours enough, who knows? I, I think it's just in the instance of this stuff, I think it's better to just cut ties. And and I don't know if that means that, you know, Tyler Reddick spends next year in in a Joe Gibbs Xfinity car. I don't know if that means he, he runs some backmarker car. I don't know what. I, if I'm RCR, I don't want him there Yeah, because he doesn't want to be here. Like, I, I want to figure out what we're doing going forward. Yeah. going to be interesting to see how this pans out. Yeah. Uh, as if that news wasn't enough for Tuesday, I will touch on this quickly. I, I don't know what to make of this. Later in the day, after I'd gotten home, we get this news about Alex Pillow who's a Chip Ganassi racing driver in the Xfinity Series, last year's champion, by the way. Chip Ganassi announced early on Tuesday, hey, we've re-signed, we've, similar to Tyler Reddick, exercised the option to bring Alex Pillow back in 2023. And, you know, all that, we're excited for him to build and continue and all this blah, 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 blah. And in the press statement, they included a quote from Alex Pillow about how excited he was to race there in 2023. And he comes out hours later and says, uh, that's not true. I'm actually going to go to McLaren next year. I don't know where they got that quote. I thought McLaren's tweet was funny. Hola, Alex. <laughs> I mean, just what a mess. I mean, like you, you look at, you look at, you know, the, the debacle that went on earlier in the day with Reddick and NASCAR and all this stuff. And then Pelo, CGR and McLaren hold my beer. Like, watch this. I was like, what a week. It's only Tuesday. Yeah. Yeah, so I, it's just – it's interesting. And, and I thought one of the little nuggets that was interesting, too, is that he's going to be part of their, you know, Formula One developmental testing, whatever. Yeah. Um, does he go to Formula One at some point in time? And that's something that, you know, he coming up through the ranks, that was his goal, obviously, was to get to Formula One. Now, maybe his plans have changed a little bit, you know, having his IndyCar success. But, you know, the, the, the door is open to do that now that he's with McLaren as opposed to what he's getting with Chip Ganassi Racing. Um, I think the biggest takeaway is there's a lot of people in public relations and motorsports right now that are not having a good week. No, at all. And honestly, in the hour that we've been doing this podcast, maybe something else has popped off. I don't know. Probably, probably at this point. Um, yeah, just a really, really weird day. Um, two big moves for two really talented guys. So it's going to be interesting to see all this, uh, pans out for those two guys going forward mm -hmm. all right this might be our longest episode in quite some time uh, we got racing coming up this weekend going to be at new hampshire the cup series and the xfinity series as we get closer and closer to the playoffs we'll start off with the xfinity series on saturday i want to go with uh we're you're still ahead 11 to 2 we, ended, we went over this weekend um i'm gonna go with justin allgaier okay um you know i just I don't know why. Just just went with him. I hadn't picked him in a while, so. I mean, he's kind of the flat track savant of the Xfinity series. Yeah, I mean, yeah. So I guess it's not that crazy of a pick. Yeah. 
I'm going to go with Guy. And honestly, I don't know why I didn't realize this. I was surprised to learn that he's actually leading the regular series standings. A.J. Allmendinger is 29 points ahead of Ty Gibbs right now. For as much as has been talked about, you know, obviously he's got his two wins of the road courses. This road course is A.J. could win on a go-kart at a road course, you know, for all intents and purposes. For as much as the conversation has been about the struggles of colleague racing, the fact that A.J. Allmendinger is still leading the points, very, very impressive. Yeah. Well, he had an interesting comment today, basically frustrated by how college just hasn't had the just pure speed this year, you know, and it's just like, dude, you're, you're leading the points. I mean, I know you don't have the pure speed, but that'll get you to Phoenix. It will. Um, and he's run well on the flat tracks this season. Um, so I'm going to go with AJ Allmendinger. All right. So the cup series on Sunday, and this was a pretty significant race last year where Eric Almarola came out of nowhere, had the best car, won the race, locked themselves in the playoffs. None of us saw that coming. Um, we're teetering on the edge of getting to those 16 winners. Is New Hampshire another wild card winner this year? I don't think so. Um, but I'll say this. I, I'm going to pick Denny Hamlin to win. Okay. Okay. He's going to bump Ross Chastain late to win. You think he's going to already get that payback and not wait for the playoffs? Yes. Yes. Okay. I like it. Now, over the past couple seasons at New Hampshire, we've seen the likes of, you know, Kyle Busch and Kevin Harvick have some contact late in these races. Denny Hamlin and Brad Kislowski, I believe, in 2020. Like, this is a track where you can, you know, get a little bit rough. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to go with somebody I picked in this last week, and I'm riding with the 14-winner train right now. He led a ridiculous amount of laps, both Phoenix and Richmond. Obviously, hasn't come away with one yet. I'm going to go with Ryan Blake. Yeah. He was my number two. So uh, we'll creep closer and closer to the playoffs. I'd really like to see us get 16 winners. I think that'd be really cool. You know, it just set the tone for what I think is going to be a ridiculously interesting 10-race playoff this year. I want 17 winners for the chaos. Or, or 16 winners and, and Blaney, wins the, Blaney regular- wins the regular season championship and we have to bump a winner. Yep. That would be funny. I'm here for all the chaos. Yep. So uh, with that, we will look ahead to New Hampshire this weekend and then be back to talk about it next week and look ahead to a race that I'm oddly really excited about, and I can't explain why, Pocono next weekend. It's going to be interesting, for sure. So we'll be back to break all that down next week. So for Don't Molinax, I'm Talonhead. This much for listening. We'll catch you next time.